What's going on, everyone? This is True Code Sports Talk, and I am your host, Andrew Wright, coming at you from Sanger, California, and over in Fresno, well, Clovis, California, is my co-host, Cody Johnson. Cody? Hey, everybody. What is going on? Drew, welcome back, man. We've missed you the last few weeks, so it's good to finally see you. Uh, anyways, guys, we had a really good episode for you guys. We got some crazy news in the NFL as uh, this whole day has been kind of bonkers, and I think I can speak for Andrew on that as well. But anyways, guys, we're going to get dived right into the show. Don't forget to follow us on social media and subscribe to our YouTube channel. With that being said, let's get started. All right, what's going on, everyone? Um, Yes, I am back, finally. Um, You know, I'm just full of the coronavirus, but uh, other than that, I'm I'm good, man. Um, It's good to be back, though. I've had two weeks off, and I've listened, and I will say kudos to you, Cody. You've done a great job. Um, I mean, holding down the fort while I was gone, I guess, but... um, it's good to be back. It, it's, it was killing me not to be able to uh, talk about the topics that we had. Uh, you know, it, it was just, it, it, it's sad, you know, I know, it's such a, it's such a hobby to, you know, it's so fun to talk about what you like to talk about. So. No, I know. But I'm sure so, you were, I'm sure you were dying, especially during the divisional rounds. I know that you had a ton of opinions on those games and, you know, a lot of the topics I talked about, I know that there's something you really wanted to talk about. And I know that you really wanted to be here. And at first it started with just, it was your wife's birthday. And then it just was a, Hey, honey, happy birthday. We all got COVID. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, that's stunk. But I told her I would make it, uh, make it up to her. So, um, we're going to have to do something special. Well, Valentine's day. And then, uh, we'll also have to do something special for her birthday. Cause we were going to do, you know, a whole like non kids thing. Right. Uh, and of course, you know, the day that we were like the day before we were going to do that, you know, we all get COVID. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> it is what it is, you know, unfortunately, but, um, you know, we're going, we're, we're going strong still. We just, you know, gotta, gotta let life run its course, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually you'll be. And you're not even dealing with all of it either. You're dealing with COVID and that. And then also you're kind of displaced like I was over the summers. (laughs) You guys are really getting it hard over there. (laughs) Yeah. Right now it's like, it's probably like 45 degrees in the house, in our house. (laughs) So uh, our heater went out. So we had to go uh, to the in-laws, which is not bad. It's just, you know, I feel, I always feel like uh, we're intruding. I always feel like, you know, we're making a, you know, a horrible mess, you yeah. know, they're annoyed with us already. And, you know, it's all in our, it's, well, it's all in my head, you know, they haven't said literally any of that, but you know, right. when you get used to your house and then you come to someone else's house and like, you're spending the night for like over a week, you're like, okay, I've way overextended my stay. <laughs> yeah. It's like the longest uninvited sleepover that you're like, <laughs> I don't even know if I'm supposed yeah. to be here anymore. <laughs> But, but they've been gracious, like, you know, um, you know, we, we cooked a dinner one night, mm-hmm. uh, which was cool. It was kind of nice. It kind of felt like, you know, being back at home, you know, yeah. having to cook for the kids. Um, but uh, other than that, man, it's just been, been crazy. But you know what? It's, it is nice that we have people who are willing to let us come in and, mm-hmm. and trash their place and, and 
be okay with it. So yeah, for sure. All right, man. Well, let's dive right into it. I know that you're eager to get at it and you've been, we've been texting all day today and polling about it. So let's, let's dive into it. So take us off. Well, I wanted to start with, um, the retirement from Tom Brady. Um, and, and before I send it to you, Cody, um, I did kind of want to, I wanted to bring up, you know, what it means that Tom Brady is retiring. It's not, it's not that, you know, another player is, is retiring, um, because this happens every year. There's always a, a number of players that retire, but like, Tom Brady has been in the league for 22 years. He was drafted in 2000 overall 199th in the sixth round um, out of Michigan, who his senior year, he was splitting time between another quarterback. He wasn't even actually the starter. Like he was kind of co-starter. And so it's crazy that a guy from Michigan who couldn't really truly win out, in that, um, in that position in college mm-hmm. ends up being the greatest of all time in the NFL history. And mm-hmm. I say that with meaning it to the full extent, um, you know, people can bring up Lawrence, Lawrence Taylor, who was great, but I still think Tom Brady, you know, you can bring yeah. up Jerry Rice, who I grew up idolizing. Um, and, uh, I would still say Tom Brady, you yeah. know, so, I mean, and I could go through a whole list, but um, Tom Brady, what was what's so spectacular about him, not just the story where he's the six rounder, you know, he was this scrawny kid coming out of Michigan and whatnot. It's, you know, him having to overcome, you know, first of all, Drew Bledsoe. And it's not like Drew Bledsoe was like stopping. Drew Bledsoe was just in his prime and he got hurt. Mm -hmm. And Tom Brady comes in and never lets go of it. Uh, which is insane. Um, but I, I was kind of thinking about it uh, actually in my car. And I was really thinking about who Tom Brady, who like I could compare him to. And the best I can compare him to is Michael Jordan. And I'm sure that's, mm-hmm. that's been floated around quite a bit, but you know, Michael Jordan, he was great in the regular season. He was excellent in the playoffs. And then he was absolutely phenomenal in the NBA finals. And that's who Brady was. Brady was great in the regular season. He was excellent in the playoffs. And he was absolutely phenomenal in Super Bowls. Even the ones that they have lost. It wasn't because of Tom Brady uh, just like completely breaking down. It was because, you know, the other team was just so determined to, to get this done. Or, you know, like the crazy throws by Eli Manning, you right. know. It's just, it was absolutely in, insane of those, uh, those two throws, you know, the David Tyree and, and Mario Manningham ones. So, you know, and I was thinking about it too, you know, Tom Brady was what, two games away from being into the, another Super Bowl mm-hmm. this year. And if he would have got to the Super Bowl this year, he would have been in 11 Super Bowls, if I'm correct. Yeah. He's, he's right. won seven, lost three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know how insane that is? Yeah. Like, he would basically have been... half of his career, he would have been in a Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, that's insane. 
And that's not even including the times, the years that they were in the playoffs, they just ended up losing in the playoffs. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't really remember too many years where the, the Patriots uh, and then, you know, the, these last two years, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right. uh, not being in the playoffs. Like it was just, it was always crazy when you didn't see the New England Patriots right there, you know? Right. So to me, um, you know, Tom Brady retiring, it, it, it is it is a sad time in, in the NFL because, um, you know, you knew it was going to happen. But you just when it happens, you're just not ready for it. You know, yeah, uh, I know that's how I felt for like with Peyton Manning when he retired, you know, um, I knew he was going to retire. But when he actually said he was going to retire, I was like, oh, man, this was yeah. like <laughs> it was like gut wrenching, you know. So, um, you know, and, and as a Raider fan, you know, with the whole tuck rule thing, mm-hmm. you're supposed to hate Tom Brady. But, you know, when you grow up you watch football, you understand football. It wasn't Tom Brady's fault. It really was the ref's fault. So I have no problem <laughs> blaming the refs on that one. Right. Um, but really Tom Brady, it's hard to deny greatness. It's hard to hate greatness. And I've always been a guy who I can watch someone, even if they're the villain and if they're great at what they do, mm-hmm. I can admit sports wise, I should say, I can watch and I can say, man, that guy's great. Even if I hate it, like I can look at Patrick Mahomes as a Raider fan and say, that guy is great, mm-hmm. but I love it when he loses, Yeah, <laughs> you know? And I kind of felt like that with Tom Brady. Uh, you know, I, I right. loved watching him, but when he lost, it was, it was nice because I wanted to see someone else just like everyone else, but I didn't yeah. hate him for it. I just, you know, I would root it against him, but I also rooted for him a lot too. So yeah, uh, it was sad. Uh, but Cody, I did want to bring up one thing and mm-hmm. I wanted to see kind of what your thoughts were. Um, what is maybe a moment, a play, mm-hmm. a game, uh, whatever it is like that you will always remember Tom Brady. Well, wow, that's a tough besides one. the tuck rule. Besides right. The tuck right. Rule. Well, I'll, I'll, we'll look past the tuck rule because in hindsight, like, Yes, it is like a infamous play, but it's oddly not what defines Tom Brady. He just so happened to be involved in it, but he's had so many more impactful plays, throws, whatever that kind of overshadow that. It's just one of those things that's always looked at as like, you know, a rule that went into his favor that shouldn't have. But again, that shouldn't erase his entirety of the greatness of him. But I think, I think a moment. Uh, or a game I would say that encompassed Tom Brady for me was um, the Super Bowl where he came back and beat the Atlanta Falcons when they were down by 25 at halftime or in the third quarter or whatever. And he led the comeback. And the argument was that the uh, New England Patriots didn't have really any firepower, like, you know, uh, out of Edelman and Gronk, who was injured, I think majority of the season, they really didn't have anybody in terms of like a weapon and Tom Brady, it seemed like all by himself beat the Falcons. And, and this was the same Falcons team that was coached by um, uh, uh, Dan Quinn, who's defensive coordinator right now for the Cowboys offensive coordinator for that team was also Kyle Shanahan, who has also lost a ton of leads in his time as a head coach in in various playoff games. Um, But I think for me in that seeing that game, it just kind of blew me away by how great Tom Brady was. Like I remember when they signed Randy Moss and they were just a juggernaut on offense, but I kind of just, I didn't want to say I ignored it, but 
he had a ton of weapons. So I think any quarterback would have been successful in that situation just because there's a lot of weapons, but I don't think I grasped the true greatness of Tom Brady until after that Super Bowl win, because that was like eye opening, like, holy cow, this dude is as great as he's advertised, if not greater than what we thought. And I'll even talk, I'll even bring up a phrase that your guy, Colin Cowherd has said on his show a bunch of times is instead of complaining about greatness, you need to appreciate it because it's not going to last forever. And one day when it's gone, you're going to wish you appreciated it such as, you know, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning coming up soon. It'll be LeBron James. Believe it or not, we're probably closer to LeBron James's in than we are him keeping going. You know, that's kind of a scarier thing to even think about in terms of like our favorite athletes, but you know, Callan Cowherd made it very clear. We need to appreciate greatness. And I don't think I got to that point until that game specifically is when I had appreciation, saw that game and just like, wow, that's, that's something that I'll always remember. And my son got to witness that too. So he saw that and was like, wow, is this dude for real? Yes. He's that, he's that dude, you know? Yeah. The, the first memory I have, believe it or not, I'm going to age myself a little bit, but I remember watching, um, I believe it was a Monday night game um, with uh, where Drew Bledsoe got injured. Actually, it was Sunday night. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. It was a Sunday night game where Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback. He goes, to the, I remember the run and he gets knocked out of bounds and he just doesn't get up. Mm-hmm. And he, this kid, Tom Brady, comes in and I remember they were like, oh, this kid, he was out of Michigan. You know, he's a good quarterback. They like him in practice, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I thought they were just kind of like, you know, pumping him up a little bit, you know, uh-huh. to, to appease Patriot fans, um, like not to panic because they just spent a huge amount of money on Drew Bledsoe, you know. Right. And um, this kid, Tom Brady, comes in and, you know, I mean, he wasn't spectacular, but that's the first memory I have of Tom Brady, just like right. most people. Um, was the first time he came into the NFL and played. Yeah. And um I I always remember that. And then the next memory I have is the Super Bowl against the Rams. Mm-hmm. Just how I remember I was just like, oh, the Rams are gonna mop the floor with the Patriots. Yeah. And they I mean, Tom basically did what he needed to do and, and that defense was nasty. Um but yeah, I mean it's it's incredible to think that how long ago that was what 2001 that Tom Brady came in and and took over the job and and then it was just like crazy yeah that he was go- that Tom Brady was going to start the Super Bowl over Drew Bre- or Drew Bledsoe right and Drew Bledsoe was healthy he had just basically won the AFC championship for them and they're like oh we're going to stick with Tom and everyone was like yeah. this is nuts right but now you look back on it you know hindsight is always 2020 yeah, and you're like, well, that was the that was the best move ever. You know, right. Tom Brady's the greatest of all time. Drew Bledsoe was great, but he well, wasn't as, you know, yeah, good. people will probably say, oh, look at Bill Belichick being the greatest coach, already seeing greatness in Tom Brady. Which <laughs> you're like, okay, sure, but I mean, it took a lot of moxie from yeah. you know Tom Brady to even make those throws to get him ahead in the game. And I think Kurt Warner and the Rams made a small run towards the end, but Patriots still came out on top, as history says. But yeah, dude, it was it was crazy those first few years because at I don't know about you, but for me, like when Tom Brady started in the Super Bowl, the year following that, and I think the year 
They beat the Panthers. I don't even think I was still a true Tom Brady like believer. I still thought like, ah, oh, he's a decent quarterback. He's, you know, Patriots for some reason are really good. You just don't, you can't explain it. And I don't think like Tom Brady's first 10 years, I don't think he was as good of a quarterback then as he, as he was the, these past 10 years where these past 10 years, it just seemed like he was on another planet from everybody else, if that makes any sense. So it's yeah. just very crazy to see like his, how he excelled, stayed on top and in theory left on top because he almost came back again, you know, la, not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before that against the Rams. And that was another bonkers thing at age 44. He again, brought his team back from nothing and uh, you know, just Matthew Stafford and the Rams made better plays down the end, but yeah. you know, crazy. Yeah. I mean, and there's still a possibility he could win MVP this year. I mean, a lot of people will probably think Aaron Rodgers, but there is a chance that Tom Brady could win it. And especially with him retiring, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if some extra votes come Tom Brady's way. So yeah, we'll see. Sure. But um, there still is that chance, which would be, uh, if you can't win a Super Bowl, at least win an MVP on your way out. I mean, oh yeah, go <laughs> out on well. top. <laughs> yeah, for real. All right, so <clears throat> there's another major story that came out this week, Cody, and this one's huge. I mean, it's so funny. Well, I shouldn't say funny because that's the wrong word. It's so insane. Stu- I should say stupidly insane. Mm-hmm that we're still in 2022 and we're still going through this crap. Brian Flores Mm -hmm. filed a lawsuit against the NFL for basically racially charged um, unemployment. Right. I think that makes, I think that's the best way to say it because the Giants they if you don't know what's going on brian flores was fired by the dolphins which is part of the whole lawsuit Mm -hmm. but we'll get into that in for a second he's looking for a job he has an interview with the new york giants he gets a text on i believe it was that saturday yeah i think so it was the saturday before he was supposed to interview Mm -hmm. so this is what three days before he's going to interview with the giants he gets a text from Bill Belichick, his former uh, head coach that he had worked with the, with the Patriots, and Belichick basically says, hey, congratulations on, on getting the job. And uh, Flores is like, what are you talking about? You know, yeah. and he was like, oh, you know, you got you signed. And he was like, are you thinking I'm Dable? And he's <laughs> like, oh, my God, I totally messed up. Yeah. Sorry about that. And so Flores ends up going to the interview anyway. He interviews, obviously he doesn't get the job. They announce that Brian Dable gets the job. Crazy mm-hmm. because now it looks like they were just doing it for the Rooney rule, had no intention of even possibly hiring him. Now, yeah. do I think Brian Dable is a fine coach? Yes, but at least give Flores a fair shot. Yeah, And that's the issue that you're having here. Then it comes out later that the Dolphins fired Brian Flores because, first of all, he wouldn't tank games. Right. He wouldn't take a $100,000 check for each loss that they got. And, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, Rona. And uh, he, he, they were saying that, oh, well, we're firing him because uh, we're bumping heads. You know, we're, we're, we're not, he's hard to work with or something like that. Yeah. 
<laughs> the reason that he's hard to work with is because he won't lose. Right. <laughs> he refused to lose. And there's another there's another story out there that said that he wanted to get Justin Herbert. He didn't want Tua. And they mm-hmm. went after Tua. So it's really starting to look like, first of all, the Miami Dolphins um, wanted to lose. They wanted mm-hmm. to get better draft picks. Um, and also it seems like they didn't want to do literally anything for Flores. It just seemed mm-hmm. like they were using him as a scapegoat to kind of get through some years until they get a coach that they wanted. Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like to me. Um, and um, it, it's just, I, I can't believe we're still going through this stuff. I mean, it's yeah. so dumb. It is so dumb. Why? Like, yeah. I mean, I, I'm okay if they hire Brian Dable, mm-hmm. but you have to at least give Flores a chance. Like, they had already made up their mind. Right. Like, they weren't even going to – I mean, they're just going through the motions, which mm-hmm. is worse almost. Yeah. You just be like, well, we just got to do it because we have to do it. And it's like, okay, well, what if Flores actually blew you away? What if Brian Flores right. was actually the right guy? But because you already say, oh, I want Brian Dable – you're stuck with like, yeah, I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, and I hope something comes out of it because I'm sick of, you know, it just kind of being like, Oh, this is really bad. And then it being swept under the rug, kind of like this whole Raider situation mm-hmm. where, you know, John Gruden with the, with the emails was let go, which was the right move. But nothing happened with the Washington football team, now Washington Commanders. Um, nothing happened to them. Like mm-hmm. nothing else. And they're like, oh, well, because they cooperated, we're not going to investigate. Well, you've already investigated. You have all the evidence. Right. You kind of have to do it. It's not like you're a cop and you, there's a murder <laughs> and you go, well, you know, he did murder that one girl but he helped out with like five other murders so we're just going to let him no he still murdered someone he's still going to be in jail sorry Mm -hmm. that's how the law works but thanks for the well we might cut your your sentence a little bit that's about all you're going to get you're still going to go to jail yeah um i think what i'm disappointed with and again so i'm in the position that i'm I'm very glad that Brian Flores has done this. I, I side with him. I think that there is an obvious um, implicit bias in the NFL when in terms of head coaching. Um, I mean, I was, I was uh, listening to first take this morning and uh, Marvin Lewis was on and uh, currently right now he's um, coaching uh, Arizona, uh, Arizona state along with Herm Edwards. But, you know, in the last three and a half years, I think he's gotten like six opportunities to interview for head coaching and none of them kind of came from anything, even though he had, I think, like 15 years with the Bengals. And it's just kind of weird. He hasn't gotten another head coaching NFL job. And, you know, I'm not saying he's a bad coach, but I mean, 15 years as a head coach, you don't find that experience to be really helpful. I mean, look at the Giants. They probably could have used that better than Joe Judge and what they had there, but you know, nevertheless, uh, Marvin Lewis mentioned that, you know, Hugh Jackson has been for some reason, not in the league anymore. For some reason, we don't know. And I thought he was a decent coach. I mean, I know he had a bad tenure in Cleveland, but he had a good one with the Raiders. He had a good rapport when he was in Cincinnati. So why all of a sudden was he basically out of the NFL? 
And yeah. Brian, and the whole um, Brian Flores basically being fired for having two consecutive winning seasons and one of them getting into the playoffs, one of them making a playoff push, and then he yeah. get let go unceremoniously, which is very strange. And if I were the Giants, I mean, an, a logically a logical thought would have been, I want to retain him because look what he did to Miami Dolphins defense. And imagine yeah. what he could have done with the Giants defense and all their weapons and assets that they had because they had a kind of an up-and-coming defense. They just needed an offense that doesn't turn the ball over. And they could yeah. have actually been decent, you know. But I think what's sad is, you know, not that all these other coaches aren't qualified for head coaching jobs, but it's just, you know, there's minority or person of color coaches such as Brian Flores or Marvin Lewis or Hugh Jackson. Those are just three off the top of my head. But look at Eric Bieniemy. He's This is like his third offseason of head coach yeah. rumors, and he's not hired as a head coach yet. And I don't know what more evidence you need that he is a outstanding head coach. I mean, when Eric Bieniemy was in Kansas City with Matt Nagy, there's rumors that Matt Nagy wasn't really that offensive creative guru that we all suspect. It was Brian, it was Eric Bieniemy kind of leading that offense. And, and Nagy was kind of just taking the credit and that's how he got the bears job, you know? And I mean, yeah. and, and it just kind of, goes to show like, you mean to tell me that Eric the is not, is not any more qualified than all these other, you know, white candidates that they're now hiring. Um, and, you know, Denver Broncos, uh, Miami dolphins, I believe. And the New York giants were the three teams that were put on the, civil suit that uh, Brian David or that uh, Brian Flores had filed. And then there's reports that like John Elway and I forgot who the, um, who his uh, assistant was um, at the time they show up to the meeting hungover an hour late to Brian Flores interview. And it was all sorts of madness in that, in that story. And it just seems like this is the unfortunate truth of probably what the NFL is, is, now that it's being brought to light, and rightfully so, it's just what more will will come from it. And it's just kind of weird how when it came to the John Gruden thing, and I heard this from uh, someone on Twitter, it's funny how the NFL was quicker to action when it came to the John Gruden scandal than they are to this. They are so dismissive on this point of it that they don't even want to address it. But on the John Gruden thing, they couldn't have been any quicker in terms of what they demanded in terms of action for the Raiders to get yeah. rid of John Gruden, rightfully so. But you know they cared about they cared about equality then, but yeah. now all of a sudden they're not caring about it so much now. I just you know, and again, I know some people will make the argument, you know, do you want a handout? And it's not a handout; it's an opportunity. You know, like w- would you like it if you had more qualifications than the guy that got hired, all because? they didn't give you a proper opportunity to showcase why you deserve the position, even though you have, again, better qualifications than the guy that they are going to hire, even though that they haven't given neither of you the, the correct amount of time to, to figure that out, you know? So hopefully this turns out to be a positive thing for equality, but it's a long road. I mean, who knows what's going to come about of it. Um, I don't know if you saw it on Twitter earlier today, but, you know, there's a lot of people that are actually wanting the Raiders to hire Brian Flores in some sort of capacity, which I would love. My only thing is I don't know if Brian Flores will want to go for a coordinator job when he just got let go as a yeah. head coach and he proven that he's a good head coach, you know? So that's my only thing about that, but I would love to have yep. him on the staff. I mean, if he was an yep. offensive coordinator, I would love it. That would be like a dream, but I don't know if he'd want to take a step down from where he was just because he was fired for, 
being hard to work with, you know? Well, I think the case you can make is um, it's going to be hard for him to get an NFL head coaching job now after the lawsuit, Uh Um, you know, because uh, there are going to be some owners who are going to want to suck up to, um, well, you know, Roger Goodell and and the NFL Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, they kind of work well with each other. And so they're not going to want to ruffle, you know, all these feathers and, you know, basically be the Raiders of the (laughs) NFL. And I think that's a good argument for Raider Nation. I think this is one of the few fan um, pushed agendas that I really agree with that I think Mm -hmm. has some validity to it, um, which would be Brian Flores should come to the Raiders because, first of all, Roger Goodell already hates the Raiders. The NFL officiating crew already hates the Raiders. Right. Um, So, you know, most of the owners, I don't think really are huge fans of Mark Davis. So go ahead and, and get, and get uh, Brian Flores, Mm -hmm. you know, they made him let go of John Gruden, which again was the right move. But at the same time, like nothing else is happening like that anywhere else. Right. You know, so it kind of just seems like it it was a Raider thing, not necessarily a what John Gruden did thing. And so um, if I were Mark Davis, I would I would strongly go to Dave Ziegler, strongly go to Josh McDaniels and Mm -hmm. say, hey, you guys already worked with Brian Flores in New England. Why don't you go get him as your defensive coordinator and let's be the old school Raiders of the seventies and the eighties, mm-hmm. or we're just going to kick you in the teeth. We don't care what the NFL says. We're here to win games and beat you up while we're doing it. And yeah. God, Brian Flores would be the perfect man for that. It would be so awesome. It, it now, would be... I don't know how, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say it would be incredible. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I would love it. Hundred percent. I mean, make him the defensive coordinator, and I think there's a position within NFL coaching, and I'm and I'm not sure hundred percent. I think I've heard it a couple of times, but like a special uh, special assistant to the head coach, which basically you're like the second in command outside yeah. of your coordinators. I mean, you can have him have that title as well as yeah. defensive coordinator, and imagine him and Josh McDaniels pairing again, both coming from Bill Belichick Patriots coaching tree. Oh. I mean, that would be absolutely ridiculous. And I think, you know, just before we go through the draft, I think the Raiders would have a great shot at, even if they retain most of the talent being extremely good with the, with the extra, with the additional better coaching, you know, like it'd just be a level above what we, what we just experienced. So. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how all the lawsuit stuff is going to go. Um, you know, I don't know if he's, you know, Brian Flores is going to be completely engulfed into that. Um, I don't know if there's going to be, you know, a little bit of time set aside where he could maybe be at least a a special advisor, um, to the team or something. But I, I think if you're the Raiders, you need to strongly consider going after Brian Flores. If you want to get that, those wins, you want to, you want to get the fans really into the season, um, go after Brian Flores, man. Raider fans would love sticking it to the NFL. And honestly, I'm almost 100% positive Mark Davis 
would love to stick into the NFL. Yeah. Um, and then Josh McDaniels coming from Bill Belichick, I'm sure he'd be all aboard on that. Like he was with the Patriots for so long. Oh, yeah. He understands. He understands that the NFL is not always fair. Um, and then getting Brian, God, that would just be so great. So yeah, go after him, Raiders. So Cody, we kind of already touched on it a little bit. The Raiders have a new GM and a new head coach, both who came from the New England Patriots. Uh, Dave Z- Dave Ziegler, I've been saying it all. Ziegler, we I think we just found out Ziegler. Yeah. Uh, Dave Ziegler uh, as the GM uh, for the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, and uh, one thing I did see about him uh, on Twitter is, you know, it is nice to have a uh, a GM who, when he drafts in the first round, will actually draft a first-round talent. So that's a positive. That's a new change for the Raiders. Uh, you know, we've <laughs> – last year we got Alex Leatherwood, who he was, he was fine, uh, but he struggled in pass protection, and he struggled with a lot of penalties, um, which can be corrected, though. Um, you know, the first draft pick – that Mayock ever got was uh, Cleveland Farrell. Mm-hmm. And he was probably going to be a third round talent. Uh, and uh, so it, it, it's, it, it's been nice to have a GM who sounds like he knows what he's doing, uh, who has a little bit of experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's another thing. Uh, so that's nice too. So uh, Cody, what are your thoughts on, on Dave Ziegler? So this is actually kind of a rare one for me. I'm actually very optimistic about the Raiders' future, and I know that's kind of been a complete 180 from what I was saying literally just earlier this season with Mike Mayock and John Gruden as who was leading the Raiders. And, you know, I had voiced to you when we let go Reggie McKenzie and even Jack Del Rio, I don't know, going with John Gruden and with Mike Mayock just to me didn't make sense. I didn't care for it very much. And you can tell, like, even though John Gruden was trying to create like a tough football team, there just seemed to be something missing. I don't know what it was. It couldn't finish games and it just seemed like a disheveled organization. And this is actually the first time. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think Josh McDaniels was on my top tier list of like head coach candidates. I probably would have had, you know, Brian Flores at the very top. Not that, you know, his lawsuit had anything to do with that just prior to this. I had already texted you, you know, when Ryan Flores was released that, you know, he would be somebody that I'd love the Raiders to have. I think he'd be a great Mm -hmm. head coach for the Raiders. And, you know, as Josh McDaniels has kind of been, you know, hired and then Dave uh, Ziegler was somebody who I was a fan of that the Raiders were were interviewing because been with the Patriots, he's proven he's well-respected in the organization in terms of the league. And just yeah. having him and McDaniel's kind of partner together, who've worked together once before, so they know what they know what they're looking for. They're in an organization where Mark Davis is basically allowing them to, you know, grow the franchise how you guys see fit, which means that they're they're probably going to be more in sync than what we previously had, and that encourages me because that's going to affect free agency. That'll that'll affect the draft. That's going to affect you know how the players play, especially when they feel like they can connect with the front office with the head coaching and I'm already loving what, what uh, Josh McDaniels has done with some of the coaching staff. He's uh, hired the quarterback coach from the Patriots and brought him onto the Raiders staff who he's highly respected as well. 
Um, the Raiders are also retaining our wide receiver coach who's respected as well and has ties to Devonte Adams. So, you know, fingers crossed that that kind of comes to fruition for us in free agency. And yep. then um, we hired champ Kelly who actually has connections with being with the bears and we found a role for him and he's got connections with Khalil Mack. So, I mean, free agency looks pretty good for the Raiders now that we actually have a team in place in terms of front office and coaching that's organized, well put together and respected. Cause I feel like we get a whole off season, a whole playbook and we get the team together. I feel like we can be a really effective team. And if we were already a playoff to begin with, I feel like with a more organized team as what I feel like we're going to have, I'm really optimistic about what the future could hold, especially if we retain car. I think that's a big one for us. And, you know, everybody just elevates their game now because the personnel in terms of the front office and the coaching, their game is now a lot more elevated than what the Raiders are used to. And I think that that'll carry over. So that's why I'm optimistic. I'm, it's weirdly optimistic. Like, I feel like this is a good energy that we've been missing for all these years. And there's finally, yeah. there's finally some growth. And I think that this is what we've been waiting for, for these 20 something years to see the franchise finally take that big leap forward and be respected. You know what I mean? Yeah. My, th- I, I, I've been seeing everything on, you know, the Khalil Mack, Devontae Adams thing. I got to be honest with you, man. Uh, I love Khalil Mack. But if I had a chance to get either Devontae Adams or Khalil Mack, I would go with Adams. The reason right. being is Mack has had a little bit more trouble with injuries mm-hmm. lately. Um, and the whole Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe combo has been actually pretty good. Um, I mean, to add Khalil Mack isn't going to be that bad, but no. the thing is the Raiders don't have the cap space to get both players. Uh, you know, Khalil Mack is already going to be a big hit. And then Devontae Adams is coming out that he's looking for about $30 million a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really, the, realistically, the Raiders would only be able to afford uh, one of those guys. I, I would go with Adams because, first of all, you know, we have Renfro, we have Waller, which are nice pieces. But I feel like what we saw in the playoffs was we needed we needed that go-to guy. Now, Waller, granted, didn't look healthy still. He looked like he was still kind of uh, laboring. Um, Renfro uh, was just, I feel like, was really the only reliable guy out there at the time. Um mm-hmm. And I'm not trying to take anything away from like Zay Jones or Brian Edwards who, you know, stepped up against the Bengals in, in the Bengals game. But um, Devontae Adams would be a nice cushion for Derek Carr. Um, and for all you Carr haters out there, McDaniels, he likes Carr. He was yeah. uh, the reference that you had about the Jim Rome uh, uh, Jim Rome talk that he had today with Josh McDaniels. Mm-hmm. McDaniels was like, oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing, you know, coaching with him. And I met him and, man, he is such a genuine dude. And we were already talking about, you know, plays that we wanted. So he likes Carr. Yeah. And the story that I have been hearing where Josh McDaniels was in uh, was talking with Mark Davis when they were interviewing, he was already drawing up plays for Derek Carr, specifically in the red zone. Right. So it sounds like he wants Carr and he's already ready for Carr. Yeah. Uh, you know, I hate to tell you, Carr haters, but Carr's going to be here. 
And if you want to ensure that Carr is going to be here, you go after Devontae Adams. Yeah. Uh, You know, he's got a great, great rapport with Khalil Mack. And if you could make it work where you could get Adams and Mack, that would be spectacular. But realistically, I think you could only get one. And to be honest, I would go after Adams because Mm -hmm. another thing I was going to point out is Ziggler being with the Patriots, they have a track record of getting these defensive guys that no one really looks at, or Mm -hmm. they just get the best defensive guys and they plug them in. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's what Ziggler is going to do. So, you know, unlike when Mayock took over, you know, where Mayock was just like looking for, he wanted to get that, you know, needle in a haystack where Ziggler is just like, I'm just trying to get guys who want to play, you know, who are going to fit our system. And um, I think Ziggler is going to do that. And I think he's going to make this Raiders defense just roster wise look even better. Uh, And then when Brian Flores comes in as the DC, you know, he'll, he'll short up for sure. Yeah. (laughs) If he does come, that would be great. He will. Don't worry. He will. (laughs) I'm hearing from my sources. Okay, good. <laughs> All right. Um, a, l- a little quick tidbit on Josh McDaniels, Cody. I just – I'm with you. He he wasn't on my top five. My top three, I wanted Jim Harbaugh, mm-hmm. Eric the Enemy, and Brian Flores. Those were my top three. Um, if I were to make that a top five, McDaniels still wouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's the thing. The thing that we had talked about in the middle of the year when, when Gruden left – when we were talking about, okay, they're going to have to look for a new coach. Who are they going to go after? We said we want an offensive-minded head coach. Mm-hmm. And that's what we got. We got an offensive-minded head coach. The other thing that actually I, I really liked, I saw an interview that he had with Colin Cowherd. I, I saw the interview that he had with Jim Rome. And um, I saw the press conference that he was in. And basically what he was saying was um, – he didn't want to just go anywhere for any old job. And I believe him because mm-hmm. he had that opportunity to go with the Colts a few years ago and he okay. didn't like the fit. So he backed out, you know, and I, you know, you and I, we kind of joked about it and I know everyone was joking about it, but realistically that should mean something mm-hmm. that he was still in demand, even after him doing that all these years with the Patriots still being successful with a rookie quarterback, um, he wanted to come to the Raiders. He wanted to coach with, he wanted to coach Carr. Mm -hmm. He wanted to take over this team that did get into the playoffs already, even without a head, a permanent head coach. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that says something that not only is this team ready, but I think he can take us over the edge because we've been looking for this offensive minded coaching and that's who he is. He is an offensive minded head coach. He's dealt with Brady, who is very disciplined. And who does that sound like to you? That sounds like Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. Derek Carr has tried. He freaking moved right next to John Gruden when he was when he was signed as the head coach because he wanted to get to he wanted to get to know Gruden through and through. He wanted to be his mm-hmm. best friend, and that's what Carr's going to do with McDaniel's. I have no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And you know what? To be honest, Carr should just tell John Gruden to leave Vegas if he hasn't already <laughs> he'll 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 he can rent it out to Josh McDaniels for now and then they'll figure out about buying and yeah. then they just move next to each other there and then they just hang out and go on from there I yeah. think that would be the best case scenario but 
And, and realistically, man, I, I like what Josh McDaniel said. I like that he was saying, you know, I had to learn. I had to go through some stuff. And I like that he was honest about that. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with Denver, he still made it to the playoffs with Tim Tebow. Yeah. And I think we agree that Tim Tebow was not a great quarterback. He was he was fun to watch. Mm-hmm. He was fun to watch. But as a quarterback standpoint, you get into the playoffs with Tim Tebow on that Denver Broncos team that wasn't very good at the time either. Mm-hmm. They still got to the playoffs and beat the Steelers. <laughs> right. So for me, I, I am encouraged. I think he's got the football mind. I think he's learned from Bill Belichick. And Josh McDaniels, to be honest, doesn't come off to me as being trying to be Bill Belichick 2.0. He mm-hmm. seems like he's trying to be Josh McDaniels, but also learned a lot from New England and is going to use some of that that he learned from New England. Yeah, and I think one of the things I'm kind of encouraged by a little bit more too is the past two seasons that McDaniels didn't have Tom Brady to be super successful. And it kind of just showed, you know, like um, last season when they had, uh, I think they were kind of uh, trading starting positions with Cam Newton. And I forgot who the other uh, backup quarterback Jones? was. Who was it? Are you talking about last year or this year? No, last year when Cam Newton was on the oh. team. And I forgot they benched him and had somebody else for like the other half. I forgot what oh. his name is, but he... Um, Oh my gosh, it's slipping my mind. Anyways, it just kind of showed because the team wasn't great offensively, but the argument could be made that uh, Cam Newton just wasn't able to throw the ball like he used to. You can just tell. he They didn't have the greatest quarterback experience there under center, but that offense still kind of rushed the ball. They were able to nearly be 500, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. And then the Patriots, again, progressed to where they made the playoffs this year or made the wild card. Um, and their yeah. offense looked a lot more explosive with a rookie quarterback. And I think that I'm happy to see that McDaniels without Tom Brady for two seasons showed you that his offense can still be somewhat efficient and it still works as long as it's executed with the right personnel. And, you know, personnel went through COVID, you know, not this season, but prior season. So that was kind of a little odd this season. They had, you know, uh, Mac Jones, who they were kind of working with, who still showed great promise. They just came across the Bills team that was just, you know, more in sync and on fire. And, you know, I'm encouraged by that because it gave us two seasons to see Josh McDaniels' body of work without Tom Brady. Because it's hard to really judge Josh McDaniels when you have someone like Tom Brady because he's so talented. But two seasons without Tom Brady, kind of like, okay, I can trust this now. You know, this like this is this seems like it'll be it'll be good. So I think it's safe to say too, like Tom Brady wouldn't have been who he was without Bill Belichick. Tom Brady wouldn't have been who he was without, you know, uh, Josh McDaniels. I think it's also fair to say that. And it's also fair to say exactly what you said. Josh McDaniels had basically had Tom Brady for most of his coaching career. We saw him briefly without Tom Brady with Tim Tebow. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't great, but it, it was okay. You know, and then, um, we've seen him with Mac Jones, a rookie quarterback who everyone figured was the most NFL ready, but how good was he going to be? And he proved to be okay. I mean, he got him in the yeah. playoffs. Yeah. They died against the pills, but <laughs> that bills team is really good. I mean, we saw, and, yeah. um, so 
I, I, I'm actually encouraged. I, I like the signing more and more, and I don't think it's me talking myself into it. I think it's me realizing, like, listening to everything that he has said and realizing what we have in this team and, and realizing uh, what can come of this team. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it was actually a really good hire, and it, it could be, it could be potentially a great hire in my opinion. It could be really like, I don't want to say dynasty worthy, but I, I do want to say like, it could be good for a few years. Yeah. Um, if, if everything comes to fruition. Yeah. I think the term I'm thinking of is it, it feels different in a, in a good way. It's yeah. not, it's not a crazy head coaching hire. That doesn't really make sense. It's not like, cause uh, um, I think before Mark Davis, his, his dad, of course, Al Davis, that he would make these head coaching hires that just kind of made you scratch your head. This one doesn't seem like a head scratcher. It just seems like, oh man, Mark Davis is for real this time. Like he's not messing around. He's wanting to win and he's going to bring in the right people to do it. Cause all over social media, I've been seeing these experts praise the Raiders on moving forward with smart, um, smart coaches and smart front office leaders. And yeah. that's encouraging because Mark Davis isn't trying to get in the Raiders way. He's trying to put the best people in his, yeah. in his organization to get them to be successful. And that's a huge thing because Mark Davis could easily have an ego to where he doesn't want to do that, but he's, yeah. he's doing what he can to make the Raiders be a franchise that, you know, is respectable, not a trashy franchise and one that's going to, you know, finally make, you know, progress in the NFL. So yeah, I mean, we could, we could, the Raiders used to be what the Houston Texans are doing right now. So uh, it's, it's, it's a nice change that we're actually doing something like football wise. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right, Cody, well, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the actual games that happened <laughs> this past weekend. All right, Cody. So, minus all the stories, uh, there was actually games that happened this past weekend that we can talk about. Um, my, uh, my in-laws and I were, uh, doing a pick them. We've done it basically all playoffs where, uh, we got 10 questions and, uh, you know, we, we see which one's going to happen, whether it be under overs, uh, you know, who's going to have more catches, who's going to have more yards. Um, I haven't been doing well. I have not been doing well because, uh, it's kind of hard to look at the chiefs team and be like, this team is not going to just like roll over every team. And it's not like I went into this game with the Bengals and chiefs. It's not like I went in there thinking the chiefs were going to like obliterate them because Mm -hmm. I was like, well, the Bengals did kind of beat them, you know, when they played in the regular season, that's gotta, it's gotta mean something. Um, but I didn't think like Jamar Chase was going to go off like he did, which he didn't, you know, for, for the most part, they kind of, you know, held him together, except for when they were in the red zone, they let him have a touchdown. Um, but I mean, Joe Burrow, man, I am amazed at the way he plays and the way he played in these big games. Um, it's his first time being in the playoffs and he's with a horrible, horrible offensive line. And he's absolutely taking these hits, shrugging, like shrugging it off his shoulder and st- like just throwing bombs, deep bombs. 
you know, uh, just dimes down the middle, whatever it may be, like whatever throw he needs to make, he makes it. Um, I'm so impressed with Joe Burrow. Um, you know, I thought the Bengals focusing on, I, I didn't think Joe Mixon had that great of a game. Um, I felt like they kind of held him pretty well. He he rushed for 88 yards, so he ended up having a pretty good game. But I feel like most of those runs were towards the end because um, he had some big runs toward, in the overtime. But, um, you know, they really stuck to the run. They stuck to their game plan. They didn't panic when they were down. Uh, they didn't panic when um, – you know, Jamar Chase was double covered. You know, they they didn't panic when their tight end went out. They didn't panic when the Chiefs were scoring at will at times, you know. So, uh, first and foremost, I want to give my props to the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, first of all, it's nice that the Raiders lost to them, so I don't feel so bad anymore. I feel like, oh, you know, if we were going to lose, it might as well have been to the uh, AFC um, representative in the Super Bowl. So. Right. Uh, that's I'll take that and who beat the Chiefs too. So it makes me happy too. Um, <clears throat> but Joe Burrow, the moxie that the kid has is just ridiculous. Uh, Joe Mixon to have the year that he had this year and end up with, you know, 88 rushing yards uh, last week behind. And I have said this before the worst offensive line in the playoffs this year. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's debatable. I think we've already seen it. Joe Burrow was sacked nine times against the Titans. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can say, oh, no, the offensive line is good. I think you can have good plays, good games, mm-hmm. uh, but this is the worst offensive line in the playoffs, obviously, still. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, mixing to have the year that he had and, and to do what he did is is impressive. And then Jamar Chase to be a rookie and be this big of a focal point. And then, like, people start focusing on him and they forget about T. Higgins who was that rookie last year for the Bengals. It just, they weren't winning as many games. Um, it's, and then Tyler Boyd, who is another guy that you have to watch out for. They have some big time players. This Bengals team is so impressive. And mm-hmm. even if they lose 42 to nothing in the Super Bowl next, next week, this is, they to be where they're at, is just so impressive in itself. You know, I will always give them props for that. But Cody, the Chiefs, I would, I, I you know, I, at first when I was watching the game, I didn't think of this. Mm-hmm. But listening to some of my podcasts, really listening to what people are saying, this might have been one of the more big choke jobs mm-hmm. by an NFL team in playoffs. Obviously, the ultimate one has got to be the Patriots and Falcons. But this one was a big choke job. I mean, the, the Chiefs had the game. Yeah. They were up 21-3 to three at, at one point in the game. And at halftime, they had a chance to go up 28-10. to 10, And they blew the call. And I felt like that gave whatever momentum that was left in the game to the mm-hmm. Bengals. And they came out and they just fired on all cylinders after that. I mean yeah. – uh, what was your thoughts on, on this game? Well, I think one of my thoughts was, you know, the Bengals, when they get hot, they're a very tough offensive team to stop. And, you know, one of my concerns with the Chiefs is 
their defense is really predicated on their offense scoring a bunch of points really quickly. So that way the defense is basically just playing to what you need to do. You need to get this touchdown. So they're playing the end zone, not necessarily, you know, trying to figure out the best play that's going to get you, you know, in a punt situation. They're just making sure that you don't get behind them and you're going to try to take your shots in the end zone because you're, you're down by so much so quickly. But when that defense is actually pressed to make offense or make defensive stops on really good offensive teams, they've always struggled this entire year with that. And, you know, some of my takeaways in this game is I was very impressed with the Bengals pass rush. They only gave up one sack the entire game, which was, I thought, extremely impressive. And, um, you know, I think what I'm, what I'm surprised with the chiefs is, you know, you figured you had, you know, a lot of tape on them from the week 17 loss that you had in Cincinnati, where essentially you win to halftime with a lead and you lost an overtime, or I think they did lose an overtime if I'm not mistaken to them, uh, in the last time that they played mm-hmm. and they basically lost the exact same fashion to the exact same game plan. And it's almost like they took this game for granted. And Patrick yeah. Mahomes, um, one of my last week when I gave my three keys to victory for the Chiefs, I said Patrick Mahomes needs to be patient like he was in the Bills. And it just seemed like Patrick Mahomes was not patient in that second half to Cincinnati. It's like he was trying to take the top off every time and he wasn't just taking the short passes that were in front of him. And, you know, it should have just been he he continues the drive no matter how short the gain is so that way it wears out the defense. And then if you want to go over the top, you can. And I think Tyreek Hill only was, uh, I think didn't even catch a pass the entire second half. So it was kind of, it was almost like the Bengals defense showed up at halftime, but you know, the chiefs game plan just went right out the door. And I got to say, it's kind of a shocking, um, a shocking choke in the second half. I mean, there's no way to say it. I think it was definitely the chiefs choked, but you know, the Bengals offense proved that they can keep up with them. I mean, as you pointed out, T Higgins, Mixon, Chase, uh, Joe Burrow, second year, look how great he looks in the playoffs. And they're pedestrian numbers relatively, but also too, like he's only a second year quarterback and those numbers don't look half bad, you know, like one turnover, which was his mistake. But other than that, like he played really clean football and made a really good decisions. And, you know, the Bengals overachieved but uh, you can't ignore the choke job that the Chiefs did, especially in the second half with all they had to do is follow their game plan and they just seemed to abandon ship and uh, they kind of turned into the Chiefs from er- earlier in the season when we saw them struggling. We were wondering what's wrong with the Chiefs and that's what they kind of turned back into uh, in last week's game. So, One thing I did want to bring up and I'll push back on you on your um... – from your analysis on Mahomes, I, I would say Mahomes, a lot of the second half, it seemed like he was running around a lot, and I don't think it was what he wanted to do. I think it was more the receivers weren't getting open, like even Tyreek Hill, he wasn't getting open. Mm-hmm. Uh, Travis Kelsey, he's not getting open. Um, those are the guys that you rely on who should be able to get open at any time. You know, these veteran guys, they're not getting it done. Um, and I think that's all credit to the Bengals. So, you know, uh, although there were some throws that Mahomes kind of threw in, in panic mode, 
you know, also I do feel like the receivers in the second half also weren't really giving him an opportunity like they normally do. And I think he then tried to make certain things happen, uh, you know, wasn't as confident in throwing the football because his guys were not open. Even the throws that he would miss, like he would overthrow or something, the mm-hmm. guys weren't really open as it was. You know, it was going to be a tough catch no matter what. So, um, you know, I felt like Mahomes actually played a really good game. I think he had a couple of bad throws, which is whatever. But I, I do feel like a lot of the times I felt like I was watching Mahomes and he was back in the pocket for, you know, seven seconds and no one's open. And it's like, mm-hmm. what the heck are you going to do? You know, you can mm-hmm. only run around for so long um, and things close up even more. So, um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't put it all in Mahomes. I don't think he had the greatest of games, of course. Um, and I think that's okay that he didn't because I felt like he played well enough to win. Um, but I think the Chiefs were looking towards the Super Bowl after the first half, and I feel like that's where they started really messing up. They were just like, oh, we're going to beat this team. There's no way they're going to come back, and and the Bengals did. I mean, they forgot that Joe Joe Smooth Burrow is, is on the other side. So Yeah. Well, and I um, appreciate the analysis about uh, Patrick Mahomes and the other receivers, and you're right. Like the uh, overtime interception that was uh, – that fell on the Bengals' side was basically a drop pass by Tyreek Hill. So Tyreek Hill didn't do Patrick Mahomes any favors by you know not reeling in that throw, which he would normally do. That's, I think, why it was so odd is hit him right in the hands, and he's made way harder catches in tougher situations, and that one he just couldn't come down with. But you know, I will say, though, in the second half, I, yeah, the receivers weren't really getting open, but I think this is where, like, you know, it's – because Patrick Mahomes also also sacked four times in this game, which was three more Mm -hmm. than Burrow. But I think in this point too, like I think Mahomes kind of needed to have an awareness. Okay. My guys aren't getting open. What can I check down to at the line of scrimmage where we can maybe get a screenplay in here or get something more in rhythm? Maybe Eric B or, uh, or Andy Reed could have called something where it got Patrick Mahomes more in a rhythm rather than, you know, these receivers aren't getting open. Okay. Well, are we running routes that are, taking too long to develop or do we just need to get something in the soft part of the zone? Cause it seemed like that's what the Bengals were trying to do is just get him to, you know, challenge the DBs and the DBs just seem to, you know, have an answer for the receivers. So I, I, I mean, I, I know it's not all on Mahomes, but I do feel like mm-hmm. he does play some part in, you know, you see how the game is yeah. developing in the second half. I think it's up to him to kind of call it at the line to change the momentum, you know, or at least change something. Cause you can't keep, can't keep running the same 10 plays with, you know, little to no results on him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing I would say is Andy Reed and Eric Bianami didn't really do um, Mahomes justice either where, you know, Joe Mixon had 21 carries uh, mm-hmm. the leading, the leading carrier for the chiefs was Jarek McKinnon. He only had 12. Mm-hmm. And then you look at, well, they had Clyde Edwards E. Lair. Well, he had six. That's a total of 18 rushes. They mm-hmm. gave up on the run. Yeah. You know, uh, they try to get too cute with some, you know, end arounds with Hardman. You know, it, it, it didn't work, you know, and I feel like they, they just gave up on the run, 
like that that pass that he threw to Tyreek Hill that ended up being an interception. Um, first, it was it, I, I'll say this: Mahomes shouldn't have thrown it because of the double coverage. Uh, but not, you know, most of the time he makes those plays, so I can understand why he saw it and was like, "I can, I can fit it in there," and he did. You know, Hill dropped it, of course. And as I've said on here probably multiple times, I don't feel like Tyreek Hill is a top five receiver, like everyone says. Yeah, fantasy wise, yeah, he is. But um, as an actual receiver, the guy doesn't have the greatest of hands. He he has a lot of drops. Um, and the reason he's always open is because he's fast. If he wasn't mm-hmm. fast, he wouldn't even be in the league, to be honest. Um, and that's going to be, you know, Chiefs fans, you can at me all you want. I really don't care. Uh, you know, that's what was so great with uh, when we had Henry Ruggs was he was fast. You know, uh, he was never very confident catching the football on those, on those deep throws. So I used to kind of sweat him out. But when he got him, hey, it was great. You know, and I'm sure that's the way the Chiefs fans think of Tyreek Hill. Um, but, you know, I felt like they should have ran on that play. You know, I felt like that should have been a running play. And in overtime and in the fourth quarter, they just didn't even try. And it's like you kind of have to keep the defense honest. Like I know sometimes we get in these modes where let's just pass, let's just pass. But there are ways to get the run game involved where it can still be effective and not just be like, oh, well, we're just keeping the defense honest. But at the same time, you kind of have to do some of those plays where it's a it's a dead run, it's a two-yard run, it's a one-yard run, because you still have to, as a defense, you still have to respect that they're still thinking about the run. And I feel like the Bengals had an advantage where they didn't have to worry about the run anymore. They knew it was going to be mainly passes, and they are like, well, they haven't been able to run all game anyway. I mean, McKinnon only had 65 yards and Edward Zulair had 36. So, you know, we're just let them run and, and make them pass and we'll be there for it. So kudos to the Bengals defense. But, I, I you know, Mahomes didn't have a great game, but I also don't think that Andy Reid and, and uh, the enemy really did him, him justice in that game. Yeah, fair enough. All right, Cody. So – Let's go to the other game, the Rams and 49ers. Now, this game was uh, – well, I was over at my in-laws' house, and uh, they're all Rams fans. And <laughs> it was uh, it was getting a little dicey towards the end. Um, it was a good game, and, and I want to say that first. I know a lot of people are um, destroying Jimmy G saying that he looked terrible towards the last, you know, few minutes. And I don't disagree. I think he didn't look great. But I also don't think there was a lot of times, especially in those last few minutes, where he had no time. I mean, that defense, the Rams defense just said, we're we're better than this offensive line, and we're going to show them why we're better. Mm -hmm. And they absolutely did it. They did anything and everything that they wanted. Uh, Von Miller, um, Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, they were, it just seemed like they were all getting either inches away from Garoppolo or they had a free run at Garoppolo. So, although Garoppolo didn't look great, I also do think there was some aspects to it that uh, didn't help him out. Mm-hmm. Um, Stafford, I didn't think looked great. 
but he made the throws that he needed to make. He did miss a few though as well. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing I will say, and I think the Rams are really going to have to focus on uh, in the Super Bowl is the run game was completely shut down. Akers couldn't get going. Michelle couldn't get going. Um, And uh, the Niners have a good defense. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying they're not good, but um, I do think that is something that they really need because when you have to rely solely on Matthew Stafford, um, I don't trust him as much as I would, you know, a Tom Brady or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he does have a little bit of a run game going, uh, Stafford really can make it happen, especially with this team. But Odo Beckham came up huge. Mm-hmm. Cooper Cup was, you know, huge as well. So unstoppable. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, the Rams just had the better players, I think, in this game. But, mm-hmm. you know, the 49ers, they shouldn't hang their head. I think they played well. And uh, honestly, to me, and this this is going to be total controversy, but I, I feel like Jimmy G showed me that he deserves to be the quarterback. I don't think he will be. I think mm-hmm. the Niners want to want to give Trey Lance. And Trey Lance, the few times that I saw him, he did look good. He just looked raw. You know, he's he's going to have to learn how to play the quarterback position a little bit more. But, um, you know, I felt like Jimmy G played well. I I, I didn't think he was terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that Rams defense is really that good. I really do. I've been saying it all year. I like Jalen Ramsey. I like I mean, anytime I was picking, you know, my my philosophy, I look at the, the quarterback, the head coach and the defense mm-hmm. and anyone that played the Rams you know, the defense always went to the Rams. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I honestly, I think this Rams defense is the best in the league, maybe not statistically, but I do think the way they play, the way they can make you play. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they did to the Niners is they made the Niners play a certain way. They made it where you had to go with Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo is another one of those quarterbacks that if you make him have to throw, him mm-hmm. be the focal point of the offense it's not going to work he needs a little bit of a run game mm-hmm. Rams did a great job um, stopping the run game I mean Debo Samuel didn't have a great running game he had a great pass where he took it for a touchdown like catch mm-hmm. but other than that I, I didn't think the run game was or even the pass game was was all that existent for the Niners yeah. Well, I'll actually, the last point that you made regarding Jimmy G where what you basically said is the Rams turned Jimmy G and, and basically forced him to beat them in, in paraphrasing what you, what you said, basically, because there was no run game or anything like that. I think, because yeah. my position is, yeah, you got to move off from Jimmy G. I mean, he played really good this season. He did, I would say he did okay in the postseason. Really, it was the defense and that run game that kind of got them through it. And, it, you know, I don't, it's not like Jimmy G made these throws at the last minute or these big time throws. It was more or less like a team concerted effort. Even in Green Bay, it was a defensive punt block that got them that touchdown to take the lead. It wasn't Jimmy G, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, with your point being made regarding Jimmy G of how the Rams handled the 49ers is I think why, you know, the 49ers need to move off from Jimmy G and go to someone like Trey Lance. Yes, you're right. He looked raw. He looked like a rookie quarterback at times. He played decent, um, when he had a fill in for Jimmy G the last time, but you know, 
having a dual threat type of quarterback who could, you know, utilize those R- those RPOs, who can use his legs, who can use his arm for when it's necessary, not just sit in the pocket. And, um, you know, in my opinion, watching Jimmy G and not just the Rams game, but even with Green Bay, you know, there were some throws that Jimmy G made that were clearly should have been picked off or excuse me. They were terrible throws. They should not have been out of his hands. He should have dumped it on the ground or he should have done something else. And he throws it into essentially oncoming traffic. And that to me is just common sense of you can't do that in a playoff game of that magnitude and referring to the Green uh, Green Bay Packers game. And he did something similar to that with the Rams. And yes, he had decent yardage. He utilized Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, but again, he wasn't the quarterback that could get you over the top where he's going to, you can trust that he makes those throws such as Stafford Stafford kind of is a wild card in your opinion. He can be a turnover machine that doesn't change. So you run the risk of that. But I think what the 49ers needed was somebody of that esque that's going to challenge down the field. And, you know, when the run defense isn't going great, you're going to challenge the top of the defense. So that way they kind of have to respect that game of it. And it kind of opens up other avenues. Whereas, Stafford, yes, the run game couldn't go with the Rams, but because he had Odell Beckham and he had Cooper Cup, they were able to beat the 49ers secondary in that manner. And I think that's why 49ers need to move off from Jimmy G. They need something different in there in terms of what the defensive now has to game plan for. They're not game planning for somebody that's going to sit in the pocket. They now got a game plan for somebody that could do all sorts of things, being a mobile quarterback, which is a lot more deadlier in my opinion. But for the most part, for my opinion, I think the Rams who I figured would make a deep playoff run if they kind of got their act together because of having a quarterback like Stafford, who again, will will challenge down the field. I liked him a lot better as an upgrade than Jared Goff. And I figured like the Rams are probably just one good quarterback away from being, you know, a pretty good NFC team. And here they are in the Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, what I look at the game is again, Odell Beckham was a huge X factor. I mean, that defense had a really hard time trying to contain not only Cooper cup who went for, 145 yards and two touchdowns, but Odell Beckham on the opposite end for 113. Like that's really hard to contain. And that's not even, you know, Van Jefferson, if they really wanted to get him going, that's not even, well, I think Hibby got injured. So you really factored him out of that, but you know, they, the Rams could have been a lot more explosive, believe it or not, all things considered with what the 49ers did, but the Rams had so much firepower and a gunslinger like Stafford that was going to challenge that defense you know, and it just, you know, the better arm essentially prevailed. They both had equally good defenses, but it was pretty much a tale of who was going to outthrow the other, other quarterback. And Stafford clearly was ready to duel it with Jimmy G and Jimmy G wasn't ready for that challenge. That's fair. Um, you know, I, I like Trey Lance. I don't, I don't want him to sound like, you know, I don't, I just feel like, um, you know, you're, you are, if you're going to go off Jimmy G, like you are risking, a possibility of kind of taking a step back because he is going to be so young. He is still so raw. He is still learning because he missed the whole 2020 season uh, from college mm-hmm. and comes into the draft, you know, not really refined in anything. Yes. He has that running ability and that I've seen some of the throws that he made and the arm strength that he has. It's, I mean, I would have drafted him, but um you know, I, I I do feel like a lot of the Jimmy G hate is more of because he's always injured 
mm-hmm. constantly is getting injured. There's always a, there's always a time in the season where he gets injured. The backup has to come in, and I think the Niner fans and and rightfully so, to be honest, uh, are kind of over it. And and mm-hmm. uh, I get that. Wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy G came over to the Raiders as a backup quarterback. Yeah, Would you know, not what, be actually, surprised at all. You know what? Funny thing you said that because as you were talking about your Jimmy G point, I was like, would the Raiders really do that? Because you gotta you gotta say that Mark probably Marcus Mariota is gonna leave for another team, yeah. uh, in some form or fashion, whether it's a backup or a starting role, depending on the team. But I'm like, would Josh Please. McDaniels bring in Jimmy G's Jimmy G as a backup? And I think he probably would. You know, yeah. funny thing, I think he would. He if- had. If Jimmy G is willing to take a backup job, because it sounds like he is in high demand, right? Um, as a starting quarterback, either in Pittsburgh or you know somewhere. I was saying Tampa or Denver. So I think those are the two teams where I can see him going. Denver, I think, makes them better, but I don't know if that's what they're looking for. But Tampa really needs a quarterback right now, and they may take, they may do Why whatever to get. Oh, I don't know. Some dude named Thomas Brady, I think his name was. Is some nobody. Who cares? Sounds, sounds fake. But uh, but yeah, you know what? And I think, too, at some point, we're going to have to question, like, for example, this 49ers team, and I think all the seasons that Jimmy G and uh, Kyle Shanahan have been together. And they've had some decent success, but clearly, you know, they've made one Super Bowl appearances, and yet they're more notorious for blowing leads than anything, or at least Kyle Shanahan is, <laughs> I think we'll say. So now the question really needs to be, is it Jimmy G or is it Kyle Shanahan? Because I think Jimmy G is a good quarterback, but, you know, Kyle Shanahan's getting these guys prepared, and it just seems like they're more known for blowing leads. And I don't know who should be getting some of this fault here. Is it Kyle's responsibility? Yeah. So we're looking at him or is it Jimmy G? Cause I think Jimmy G is just not the quarterback that the 49ers need, but is that also because of Kyle Shanahan's offense, but is Kyle Shanahan really the problem. You know what I mean? Like which one is it? Because yeah. they work well together, but they're really good in the regular season. But when they get to the playoffs where it counts, they kind of just fall off. They don't have the same edge as they did in the regular season. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair thing, and I, I've thought about that for a while. I honestly thought that if they didn't make the playoffs, there was a chance that Shanahan may not be there. Um, but obviously, they made the playoffs. It sounds like they're going to move off Jimmy Gene. I think that's a smart move for Kyle because that at least buys him a year, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he can't get it done, I, I think you're right. I think that you're going to have you're going to start seeing the blame go towards Kyle Shanahan, uh, which I think is honestly fair because as of right now yes he got to a super bowl yes they got to an uh, nfc championship um but you know in that rams niners game they had a chance to win it a few times Mm -hmm. in that in the super bowl they had a chance to win it and couldn't so uh we'll see what happens but um overall i mean the niners are still in a good situation they have a really good team Trey Lance is no slouch. I mean, the kid is huge. I mean, he's like Cam Newton size with a bigger arm. So uh, we'll see what this kid can do. Hopefully he stays healthy mm-hmm. uh, and maybe we can see, see the Niners kind of make a, a really good run. So we'll see. It all is, uh, you know, question of if, you know, we have, we yeah. have no idea what's going to happen. So only um, time will tell. Yeah. But I, honestly, 
I, I wasn't discouraged by any of the losing quarterbacks this week, as many people were. I just felt like, did they have great games? No, but I also did feel like there were some things that a lot of people were blaming these quarterbacks, and it was like, okay, but you can see why. Like, Jimmy G mm-hmm. had no time to throw the whole game. You can see why he's a little panicked, you know, um Patrick Mahomes the same way you know he really didn't have a lot of time to throw that Bengals defense was destroying that Chiefs offensive line and and then there were times where you know the line was blocking incredibly and no one was open and it was like (laughs) what the heck do you do if you're Mahomes you know it was like the Super Bowl all over again with the Buccaneers and them where Mahomes like no one was catching the ball he had Mm -hmm. no time to throw at all and it was just like, man, he gave it his best. So we'll see what happens. But, um, you know, the Super Bowl is actually going to be really, really interesting. I, I'm actually mm-hmm. more intrigued about it than if it were going to be like, you know, the the Rams and, and Chiefs mm-hmm. or, you know, Niners or Bengals or, you know, however combination you want to see. Like, I think the Rams and Bengals is really interesting because, the Bengals are still another underdog and mm-hmm. they've been an underdog almost this whole postseason, except for the Raider game. And it's going to be interesting because yeah. I feel like the Bengals like being that situation. And I want to see if the Rams are going to really respect the Bengals mm-hmm. or if they're going to kind of look at them like, like, you know, every other team did. And maybe, maybe there'll be a, a, a close finish. Yeah. Um, I know that we're kind of foreshadowing because we'll talk about it next week, but I'm really curious because the Bengals are giving me 07 New York giant vibes where they're, they're a low seated wild card. They have no business winning as they are in the playoffs. And yet they get all the way to the Super Bowl, And then by happenstance, as history has showed, they are the ones that actually handed Tom Brady their, his first Super Bowl loss. And again, they were some low-seeded wild card and shouldn't even been there. Yeah. They just they just kind of showed up. And the Bengals are giving me that vibe. The only difference is, is of course, Bengals don't don't have the same defense as the 07 Giants. They had a stronger defense, of course. But I mean, it could be a scary shootout. And I mean, the Rams, though, we'll see. I mean, they're a really good team. Could they keep it all together? I think Sean McVay is going to be coaching his heart out. And we'll see. I mean, we'll see if the stage is too big for the Bengals or or if Joe Burrow settles right in and just, you know, slings it like he did in the national championship game. So, I mean, crazy to think, man, this is a super interesting matchup and I can't wait to revisit it next week before the game starts. So I will say McVay had a weird coaching job this this past game. I thought the challenges that he went after, the timeouts that he had, some of the play calls that he called, it was just, it was kind of a weird Sean McVay coaching. So I hope he does a little bit better in the Super Bowl. I felt like he was trying to do too much. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I do feel like the Rams owe us a, um, a somewhat high score from, at least from them, uh, because, you know, the last Super Bowl they were there, they yeah. only scored like what, nine, <laughs> 10 yeah. points. So. Uh, I think we're due that where, you know, we can actually see the Rams offense and it's all its glory. So they owe us that. And hopefully the Bengals can kind of keep up as well, because that way we get a little bit of a shootout, but um, 
as I'm sure my in-laws may be hearing, they're probably like, no, let's, let's just, you know, <laughs> let's not have a shootout. Let's just let the Rams just coast. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see, man. We got, uh, two weeks before the game, a lot to dive into. It'll be super fun. Yes, yes, yes. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad to be back. Uh, sorry for, maybe me coughing in the middle or trying to clear my throat or sniffling. I'm so sorry, but you know, the Rona got me, man. Uh, so, um, but I appreciate you guys listening to this and, you know, we were long winded, but Hey, I haven't been here for a couple of weeks. So you know, it was to be expected. Uh, but go check us out on any of the major podcasts, which is, uh, iHeart, Spotify, uh, Google and uh, Apple podcasts so go check us out rate and review and subscribe to our channel as well please if you're leaving a review if it's a one star please let us know what we're doing wrong or what you don't like and that way we can fix it uh, if it's a five star let us know what we are doing uh, what you like and that way we can keep going with it um, and also go check out check us out on all the social media sites which you can see on the YouTube page, but if you're not on YouTube, uh, we are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, which is all Drew Code Sports Talk. That also is on YouTube, and you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. So please do so. And, um, you know, go check out our uh, FNX Fitness Partner. They are a great workout uh, gear and supplement company. I... At first, when our heater went out, I was going to the gym almost daily with my brother-in-law. We were just hitting the gym every single day, day or night. Uh, and uh, I was using, I was trying to get him into my FNX Fitness, but um, he was he was a little afraid of how juiced I was. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, he just he had his own. But I was like, hey, you should you should try mine. You should try mine. He's like, well, let me finish mine first, man. And I was like, okay. But uh, I've been using that, and uh, unfortunately, I got the Rona, so I haven't been able, been able to go. But uh, once I'm done, I'm definitely going back, like, almost immediately. So, um, I, I'm super, I just, I'm honestly, the reason I miss my workouts is my protein. I, I miss my peanut butter cup. So, <laughs> go check out FNX Fitness. They got great, like I said, they got great workout gear and workout supplements. Uh, I love the supplements. Cody is the gear guy. Uh, he'll tell you all about his gear. I mean, he's got probably chonies, socks, uh, shorts, pants, shirts, tanks, sweatshirts, uh, <laughs> necklaces. I don't know. He's got all, he's got all. So, uh, go check all that out. And we can actually get you 15% off, uh, by using a promo code that Cody will actually let you know how to use it. Sorry, guys. Uh, go to our link tree. It's in our bio. You click on that. And at the very top of our link tree is the special link that is created specifically for you guys. You guys click on that. Begin your shopping. Get the gear. I don't think they have chonies, more or less, but they do have the socks, hats, glasses, which I have almost all of that. So he is correct on that. But they also have other gear, supplements, pre-workouts, creatine, uh, uh, BAs, all that stuff that you guys are looking for. They have all that stuff available on their website. At the end of your uh, shopping, you can put in our promo code, DrewCode15. You get 15% off your uh, purchase. And then from what Drew has explained to me is you guys can actually, during their promotion, when they discount, you can use that to get additional discounts as well. So it's good for all that. And it's a huge saving. And again, it is a really good uh, partner uh, that we have utilized, I think, now for a year. 
and they're great. And I cannot wait to try their supplements, which I've been dying to do. I haven't been in the gym as often as Drew has. And so I ha- I love the gear though. Anytime Drew and I work out, I'm always wearing either the shirt or the hat, or I have this face cover. So I'm always wearing it. But uh, anyways, guys, while you're on our link tree, it'll have all the links to our social media, our uh, YouTube, our podcast links that you guys can subscribe to us on. Click on that. And you guys can dive right into our content, follow us and subscribe to us. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, Stay tuned for next week's episode, though. You guys will be reviewing the Super Bowl amongst other things that happen in the NFL and in sports as well. I know Drew's excited about it because it'll probably be the first week that he's actually prepared and diving into a lot of this stuff because he's been missing the last two weeks. So I know that he's been chomping at the bit, as you guys can tell in this episode. So we appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, Please wear your masks. Please get vaccinated. Please be kind to one another. And uh, we thank you guys for listening. Drew, any last words? No, I'm just glad to be back and can't wait till next week. All right. He said it. All right, guys. We'll see you next week.